0: Today is Christ the King Sunday, one of my favorite Sundays in the church year. My wife, Micah, and I are currently reading The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe with our kids. My mom used to read those stories to me when I was little. And ever since encountering Aslan the Lion, I felt very drawn to the image of Jesus as king. On this last day of the church year, Rounding out our journey that began with the promise of the Messiah, we celebrate the final culmination of all things in the kingship of Christ, whose kingdom and whose reign will never end. He will be our king, and we will be his people in the city of God. There are many passages that could have been chosen for today scriptures that show Christ in all his final splendor and magnificence. But instead, and maybe surprisingly, our gospel lesson does the opposite. It takes us to the moment when Jesus was at his absolute lowest point. Crucified on the cross, ridiculed, abandoned, and dying. On a placard above his head, where charges against the crucified would ordinarily be stated, is the inscription, this is the king of the Jews. It is meant, of course, as a mockery. Who could look on that site and think that a real king of any kind could be left hanging to die with common criminals? But there is a deeper significance to those words that those who wrote them didn't understand. This is truly the moment when Jesus is presented to the world as its king. It's not the image of a king, not the image of the Messiah anyone expects. The people are watching him, Luke tells us, waiting to see what will happen. Will the great miracle worker perform another miracle and come down off the cross? Or has he reached the limit of his power? Has his so-called father abandoned him in the end? Was it all too good to be true? The religious authorities are mocking him. The political authorities are mocking him. If you are the Christ, if you are the king of the Jews, even a thief crucified with Jesus keeps railing at him, are you not the Christ, the chosen one? End your suffering and ours. This thief was only interested in saving his own life, but maybe you can relate to this challenge. It's the same challenge put to God by many today. If God were all good, if he were all powerful, if he really cared about us, why would he allow so much suffering? If you are the Christ of God. Jesus does not come down off the cross. There is no glorious display of might, no lightning bolts flashing down on his enemies. And many of his once followers are beginning to see that this is the end for Jesus of Nazareth and his supposed kingdom. Except for one. There is another thief crucified with Jesus. This thief has no delusions about himself, who he is, and how he ended up on a cross. He deserved it. And unlike the thief on the other side of Jesus, he knows that if even he could escape his cross in this life, God would bring him to account in the next. But as sure as he knows the depth of his own shortcomings, He knows that this man, Jesus, who somehow is with him in this terrible place, is innocent. Even though Jesus suffers the same fate as him, he has done nothing wrong and his kingship is not defeated. Is this thief perhaps the first to understand the type of king that Jesus is? He knows that the kingship of Jesus, the right to be king, lies within Jesus' very person and is given to him by God. It's not about having the political authority over some geographical area or ethnic group. He is king by virtue of who he is and how he loves. No one can take his kingship away. Even death cannot diminish it. Remember what Jeremiah says will be the name by which this king will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Jesus is the king of righteousness. And there is no higher king, there is no greater kingdom to be a part of. He is goodness, he is mercy, he is love, he is obedience to the Father, the one true Son. Goodness and mercy and love and righteousness are not ideas. They are him. (coughs) There is a heavy debate in our secular world today about whether or not there exists an objective standard for moral goodness or whether our sense of right and wrong is something that somehow evolved along with our species and is ultimately arbitrary. (coughs) When the repentant thief looked at Jesus next to him on the cross, he saw the standard right there. The thief believed in him. He had confidence in who Jesus was, not who he was. He already knew he had failed to measure up, but he trusted that Jesus would come into the very presence of God his Father and inherit a kingdom of righteousness. Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Don't forget about me. Wherever your kingdom is, remember me there. Jesus will do more than remember Him from that place. Truly, I say to do I, s- I did it again. <laughs> Truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Can you imagine how that thief must have felt after hearing those words? I hope that we all can. He had faith in the righteousness of Jesus. And through this faith, Christ freely shared his righteousness with him so that he too might stand in the presence of the Father. Shortly after Jesus spoke these words to the thief, he died. The sacrifice was complete. It was finished. And he led the train of all those who had died in the hope of God's salvation from death to eternal life in the presence of his Father, who, as Paul says, has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. Christ's righteous act bestowed divine favor and brought many into remembrance. The Lord is our righteousness. But though his kingdom is not of this earth, Jesus' kingship is not intended to exist only on that side of heaven. It is the church's mission to bring that kingdom into the world. A cursory glance at the headlines, however, will tell you that the exact opposite seems to be taking place. Our generation is falling apart. There are wars and rumors of wars, scandals and catastrophes, corruption and injustice. The human race, especially in the West, is on a very obvious trajectory away from the city of God. And the church has been struggling to find the best way to respond. Engage. Conform. Compromise. Isolate. Attack. Defend. Contemporize. Decontemporize. Unfortunately, there are many today who bear the title of Christian leader or influencer who are still promoting the earthly understanding of kingdom and are, as in Jeremiah's day, like shepherds leading many astray. The church in America tends to think of the kingdom of God as being a land from sea to sea wherein Christians dwell freely, where God's laws are honored, and where morality and justice are imposed from the top down. America has become our Israel and we begin to grumble when it no longer resembles the promised land of our ancestors. But if we can put the right person in office, using any means necessary, God's kingdom will once again abound on earth, or at least in this country where it matters. And so in our efforts to create a Christian state, we have far too often traded personal integrity and witness for political power preferring the holiness of our nation to the holiness of our own individual hearts. We have a tendency to do this because it's easier to criticize the world around us than to take responsibility for our own individual lives and shortcomings. It's easier to belong to a cause and feel virtuous for doing so than to strive for real virtue within ourselves. We can pour all our energy into criticizing our nation on the TV when we're really attempting to avoid facing what needs to be changed in the mirror. The truth is, as Jesus taught, the kingdom of God is within us. It starts here and only here. Where Jesus is Lord of the human heart, the kingdom is present and becomes manifested wherever we go. Of course, it's absolutely crucial for the church to be on the forefront of calling out injustice in our society, marching for life, taking care of the foreigner living among us, providing for the elderly and disabled, protecting the environment. But we lose the kingdom entirely when our efforts to create the Christian state supplant our efforts to be like Christ within our own person. Wherever Christians have sought the kingship of Christ within themselves, above all else, societies have been transformed. It is the crucified Christ, the Christ who died to himself, who reigns as king. He didn't strive for power, but gave his life in obedience to the Father. That is why he is crowned king of kings, and lord of lords though to the world it appears weak and foolish the crucified christ is the power of god and the wisdom of god in the same way we are to die to ourselves if we look we look to ourselves first before we think about changing the world we live in we first recognize ourselves as the foremost problem And pray that by his grace we may do some good, rather than contribute to the problem any further. When we hear about our world, our nation, going to hell on roller skates, as Father Jim likes to say, is our knee-jerk reaction to look within ourselves? Have we somehow contributed by what we've done or haven't done? Do we recognize the tendency to rebel against God within ourselves? There is very much wrong with the world we live in. Nations rage and kingdoms totter. Jesus told us to be expecting this. And until he comes again, that isn't going to change anytime soon. Yet, Christ is king, now and forever. And somehow he's got it under control. We will not fear though the earth gives way and though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. We're not the savior of the world, He is. But this is the message I feel the need to communicate this morning about his kingdom. Christ is concerned about us and to what degree we individually are obedient to his will. There is more than enough there for us to focus on and always more than we would like. We must submit every area of our lives to his kingship as they come up trusting in who He is, and not in who we are. Then, and only then, will we know His will and what He would have us do to further His true kingdom in our world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.